Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. I'm Dr. Brianne Showman-Brown, and I am joined today by Dr. Jamie Shear, naturopathic physician and registered dietitian. She's joining me from Power Monkey Fitness Camp in Tennessee today to discuss cortisol, what it is, and why it plays such a huge role in our overall function and what we can do to help decrease it. I think you'll get a lot of value from this information that she provides and will be able to integrate it into your daily life to improve your overall performance and get you to a more highly functional individual. So let's get to it. All right, Dr. Jamie Shear, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So I'm really excited to get you on here. Um, as a medical practitioner, I've seen, and as a patient, I've seen a naturopath for probably 10 years now. And so I know how important all this stuff that goes on inside of us is to our overall function and our performance as an athlete. And so I really wanted to get into how all these hormones and different things in our system really affect our performance in um, as we're competing and as we're training. Okay, great. So um, first of all, what, um, let's just start with cortisol. What exactly is cortisol? What does it do? Sure. Cortisol is a stress hormone. It helps buffer and um, accommodate the stressors in our body, both physical and emotional. It's con tightly connected to our adrenal glands, which are the glands of the endocrine system that are involved with stress. So cortisol is actually a very protective hormone for us. It's something that we want. It's something that helps us adapt to stress. And athletes tend to have higher cortisol, which is a manifestation of higher training levels. The concern with cortisol is that if your cortisol is high and your training level is high and your stress level is high, and all of these things are pumping more cortisol than the body can essentially process at once, you then manifest with adrenal issues, whether it's fatigue or hormonal symptoms. So the um, cortisol is the hormone that is in particularly important to your adaptation of stress. So as an athlete, especially as a competitive athlete, you know, we're, we're training hard, maybe training several times a day, several hours a day. What can, how does this play a role into our cortisol, cortisol levels? Sure. So Interestingly, I feel, or I find, I should say, that fitness has become a very um, growing field, a popular field, and people are really taking and investing more time into making sure that they're fit and joining things like CrossFit and you know races and marathon training, which is incredible. But traditionally, professional athletes train multiple times a day and rest and recover and eat in their off season off times. Whereas what I'm finding lately are most of us are not professional athletes. We have to work for a living, but we want to operate at the level that a professional athlete works at. So we train in the morning, we go to work, we train after work, we can rush home. We have to take care of our normal lives while also trying to fit in two or three training sessions or two or three hours of running. 
And that is really tough because you don't actually build in the time for your body to recover. So you create an overstressed, overworked system, which doesn't allow for the, for the cortisol to then return to normal. So I think as an athlete, when we see elevated cortisol, it's important, it's, it's protective. But when we see elevated cortisol consistently due to the lack of recovery, lack of stress um, management, then it starts to affect us negatively. So when we're thinking about this, you know, I've recently had some athletes who are like, oh, I got to drop my cortisol levels. I got to drop my cortisol levels. And the truth is the cortisol is in response to stress. So if you drop your cortisol levels, let's say through different types of um, diet, supplements, lifestyle modifications, but you don't drop your training levels, then what happens is you risk getting hurt. Or if you drop, try to drop your cortisol levels, but don't actually fix the root cause, which is lack of sleep, increased stress, overtraining. You, you again, risk injury, risk burnout, risk adrenal concerns. So when we think of cortisol, we don't want to just think of like, oh, high cortisol is bad. No, high cortisol actually can be very protective. We want to think about what in my life am I doing that could be pushing the cortisol too high? Is there a way to narrow down exactly what it is if it's the training, if it's lack of sleep, if it's some external stress that's going on, or is it just a matter of kind of assessing and figuring out what is going on in your life that could be contributing to it? Yeah, you definitely just answered it, which is like, if we sat down and we took a, an inventory of your day and like, what's, what's coming into your day? What are you doing? Where are you going? What are you eating? How are you sleeping? What are your stress levels? There are going to be flags for us. We're going to find out where you're most stressed, where you feel comfortable, where you're great. And then from a physiological standpoint, when we go through your symptoms, what are the symptoms that you experience? What physical changes have you noticed? Putting those two together, we are going to be able to say, okay, well, here's clearly an indicator of stress, or this is, you know, if someone says, I only sleep four hours a night because I have an hour commute, I have to work, I have to train three hours. Well, it's likely that there's lack of sleep and, and excess training. And we can test cortisol. But cortisol in a snapshot test, like if you go to your doctor and you have your cortisol drawn and it's just a blood level, it's not going to give the athlete the type of cortisol response results that we're talking about right now. It's going to give them a cortisol that's most likely normal and rules out diseased adrenal glands or some sort of endocrine disease. But what athletes are primarily looking for is almost a functional analysis of cortisol, which is, is it too high in the evening when it should be dipping lower? Is it too low in the morning when it should be high? Is it elevated after your normal exercise time when it should be? And so looking at the cortisol, cortisol curve or pattern is the functional way to say, okay, there's definitely issues here. That primarily is done through salivary tests, not blood tests. The other thing is there are hormones in the body that work in connection or relation to cortisol, which is one of them is DHEA. So often when we're looking at cortisol, we wanna look at the DHEA ratio because that is a precursor to many of our sex hormones, our, our steroidal-like responses, um, so also knowing where that is. And if that ratio is really off, that can potentially worsen cortisol issues. So there's definitely a way to look at it. The test itself doesn't answer the question for you of, oh, this is the type of cortisol that comes from training or lack of sleep. That's the 
connecting the interview and the um, assessment to the labs. Okay. So for these tests, is it something that any doctor can run, just tend to not run, or are they something that you have to see a naturopath or functional medicine doctor for? Uh, and that's a tough question to answer because, I mean, in state laws are very different. Practicing um, positions are very different. I can speak from my experience, which is uh, there are many chiropractors who run it's really, in, in essence, it, it is a functional medicine lab, right? You're doing a four-point or five-point salivary cortisol test. There's a number of companies that do it. I've seen it done by chiropractors. I've seen medical doctors who are functionally trained to do it, naturopaths, um, occasionally nutritionists, depending on the state and the licensure. And then there are also companies who individuals themselves may or may not be able to just order the test, if that makes sense, and then have mm -hmm. it in various ways. I don't know that it's a widely accepted or ordered test in very traditional conventional medicine. Um, but that's, again, I mean, every state has its own laws and regulations around this, so it makes it a little bit challenging to handle. No, I get that, definitely. So if someone either thinks their cortisol levels are off or their curve is off, or we know it's off, and based on assessment, kind of figured it's due to training levels. Is it something like, what's, where do we go from there? Completely shut down for a while, just decrease training for a while. What's the strategy with that? So, you know, the, the first question I ask people when they come in concerned or complaining about cortisol is, so are we willing to take the next steps to manage it, right? If it is lack of sleep, are we willing to cut back on training or go to bed earlier or wake up later or do whatever that we need to do in order to manage that? So I think one of the um, answers to that question is if it's a lack of sleep, then yes, it's improving sleep. That's essential there. If it's overtraining, then it's going to be either reducing the duration of training and or the style of training. So um, I do think that there are areas where we can look at like yes we can reduce training we can improve sleep we can definitely optimize protein levels in the diet if somebody's lacking protein uh, reducing sugar in the diet which can stress inflammatory processes which can affect cortisol so i think there are so many different ways to look at it but really when someone comes in and says oh i think my cortisol is high you know should i take ashwagandha or should i start phosphatidylserine or you know common supplements it's like no we've got to think about the root and what is the root cause of that? You know, overtraining is an interesting concept because more is not always better. Often less is more if somebody's programmed correctly. And also overtraining might just be not even the duration of training, but the amount of time in that specific type of training. So you may not even need to decrease the total time load, but it might need to have more recovery. So there are multiple ways to look at it, but I guess, um, in summary, to answer that question, I tell all of my clients, you know, let's take a, a overall look at your life and let's check the boxes, the sleep box, the diet box, the exercise box, the lifestyle stress management relationships, all of those things work and um, supplement medication. And let's go through those five things. And if they're all good and, and, you know, we don't need to change anything there, then maybe potentially we would think about supplements or, or lifestyle certain things that we can bring drop to drop cortisol. Got my tongue tied, twisted. <laughs> so 
one, uh, so talking about things that can drop cortisol supplementation wise, uh, what sort of things um, are you using for that? Well, um, one of the most common that people use is called adaptogens, like adaptogenic herbs. These are things like ashwagandha, rhodiola, holy basil, um, ginseng. These are all adaptogenic herbs. So people will use these to drop, to drop cortisol levels. But really, I shouldn't even say drop. People will use adaptogens to try and manage cortisol levels because the theory of an adaptogen is that it works within the body to normalize things that are off, right? So if cortisol is high, adaptogens may help lower and vice versa. So adaptogens are probably the most common and uh, there's many out there. There's a lot of blends. Now there's drinks and there's topicals. There, I mean, you know, the supplement market is no shortage of things that people can buy. So that's probably the most common. Um, dietary modifications really, I mean, the, the most influential diet change for somebody to manage cortisol is going to be dropping sugars and increasing proteins. Now that doesn't mean 200 grams of protein a day and no fruit. It just means taking a look at your diet and seeing where you need to support those energy systems. Uh, supplementally, occasionally I'll use um, amino acids, things like phosphatidylserine, but I really don't recommend that people just go out and buy these to try and lower cortisol because like we said, if you try and lower cortisol without making those other changes, you risk injury. Yeah. How, so let's get into that a little bit. Where does the high cortisol levels come into our injury risk? Is it just because of the fatigue factor? Is it the adrenal factor? Is it something completely different? It's not a one answer. It's not a one thing answer, right? Like if we bring it back and we say that cortisol is a stress response hormone and exercise in most cases is a positive stress, the cortisol is still increased to help the body adapt to all of the changes that it needs to make in order to perform that exercise. So now if you're going to try and do that same thing, but not allow the body the natural capacity to increase that, sort of working against the grain. Could inflammation be in there? Absolutely. Um, blood sugar issues, because of course the endocrine system is involving glucose and um, you know pancreatic function. It's just, it's a very detailed answer, but the easiest way to describe that is, we want to think about cortisol as a stress response hormone, and we want to think about exercise as a stress. So, you know, everybody wants that one answer. Everybody's like, okay, well, how do I, you know, prevent injury and get better? How do I drop my cortisol levels? How do I? And it's like, the answer is, let's take a look at your life. You know, when, every, when someone comes in, we sit together and I say, all right, are you getting good quality sleep? Let's, you know, let's sleep track. Let's, whether it's through a, a wearable or a phone, like let's do some sleep tracking. Are you eating enough calories? I so many people who undereat and so many people who overeat, you know, oh, I work out four hours a day, I need 4,500 calories. No, you don't. And um, so are you undereating? Are you overeating? Are you too low in protein? Are you too high in protein? Those play a part. And then stress, you know, do you have a, a really intense job and then you work out in the gym for two hours? I see a lot of gym owners. I see a lot of box owners whose stress levels are through the roof because all day long they're trying to coach at the box. They're also trying to work out. They're dealing with members. It's, 
it's a really challenging demographic. Definitely. So we talked, uh, you mentioned adrenal several times. So I know adrenal fatigue is, can be an issue in some of this. What is adrenal fatigue? What are symptoms of adrenal fatigue? And then we'll get into kind of why, why this matters. Well, um, elevated cortisol can cause adrenal fatigue and decreased cortisol can cause adrenal fatigue. And if there's somebody out there on the call who's listening, who's maybe a conventional physician, who's not trained outside of conventional medicine, they're going to be like, well, there's no such thing as adrenal fatigue. It's not a real diagnosis, right? And correct. There's no ICD-10 code for adrenal fatigue. <laughs> it's used to describe a myriad of symptoms that occur in the presence of elevated stress and an inappropriate stress response. So... Symptoms might be tired, but wired. You are exhausted. You lay down to go to sleep and your brain is wired and your body can't fall asleep. It might, mean, it might be a new onset of belly weight that you've never had before that you're like, where's this coming from? I eat clean, I work out, and now all of a sudden there's some changes to body composition that are not in favor of your exercise. It might, now, just a caveat to that. If you've always had extra weight in your middle section and now you're working out and it's still there and you're not losing it, like most likely, you know, there's a lack of muscle, genetic, that kind of thing. But like when we see profound changes that didn't previously exist is more of what I talk about when I'm talking about um, body composition changes. So um, other symptoms are like just, uh, I want to say, um, not to be confused with depression, but like this low energy where you just, I mean, no matter how much you sleep, you just don't feel well. No matter how much you eat, you are constantly hungry. You have constant cravings for things. Now that doesn't mean you have cortisol issues, right? Because there's also emotional eating where people are eating in response to stress. Like there's, a, there's many things that can cause these same symptoms, but you know, cravings, constant hunger, loss of appetite, um, weight changes or body composition distribution changes. Big, big one is sleep. Um, stress, like where you might be like, I never used to be so, I never used to have such a difficult time managing my stress, but all of a sudden now it seems like everything, you know, it's to like the, like the tip of the iceberg sort of. So those are symptoms. Um, lethargy, fatigue, hunger. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, if someone, so it's not an actual diagnosis. I get that. So if someone's having these symptoms and goes to their just regular general practitioner doctor, what sort of things can be done for it? Just addressing the stress and cortisol oh, levels then? I don't know if I understand the question. So <laughs> If you're going to uh, somebody who doesn't deal with or manage adrenal issues, I'm not sure that it, in that visit it's going to be addressed. Um, I, I think the bigger question is like, if somebody's suspecting that they have these, then how would they go about working with somebody? Is maybe like, you know, yeah, go to a cardiologist and you tell them you have adrenal fatigue, they're probably not going to uh, have, you know, a lot of, uh, input there or 
get on board with doing the testing that would need to be done. So um, I think the question is more like, well, if you are somebody who's listening in on this podcast and you're like, I eat super clean, I try to go to bed early, I'm working out good, I've decreased my workload, I have somebody programming, and I'm just always tired and tired and wired and belly fat, you know, then it would be like, okay, well, what's the next step? And I think that it's, you know, before you jump out and to other, to reach with practitioners or testing, it's to create those five boxes. Check the diet, check the supplements, check the sleep, check the lifestyle, check the training. And in those five areas, has there been a major change lately? Is there something that's not right there? Is there a known problem that you're, that is, is evident but not being dealt with? And those five pillars or five boxes are crucial. If you then want to get it test further because you're like, yes, I can't change this really stressful job that I have and I hate my boss and I love training, so that's not gonna change, but so I wanna see if my cortisol's high. Well, then you would go ahead and, and speak to somebody who is able to do that kind of functional medicine testing. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and it, one more piece on that is that what I have learned is that as a naturopath, my fellow naturopaths are incredibly smart and talented and able to do all of this, the difference sometimes is if you're working with a practitioner who doesn't understand fitness. So you may sometimes need more than one person. Like if I'm working, you know, here I am sitting at Power Monkey Fitness Camp, right? Which has got some of the best of the best in the CrossFit community and outside. And um, they're not immune to these things. And they may get testing, they may come here with lab results and testing, and then we need to interpret them from a fitness perspective. We need to look at them from, you know, whether it's cortisol or, or traditional CBC and where we want to see athletes optimize for their greatest function. So sometimes we need to think about, you know, you can't tell somebody with adrenal fatigue, well, just stop exercising for two weeks if they're training for the opens. Like it doesn't work that way. And so then we have to be able to figure out how can we adjust training and not throw them off course. Awesome. So finishing up, since I know you have to get back to camp, um, any final parting thoughts that you think my, the listeners should know? Yeah, I mean, I think most importantly is we're all in this to feel better. Whether it's you found fitness um, because you emotionally you know, had an outlet or physically you wanted to make changes to your body, whatever it is, like the, the intention is a good one. And we all deal with different things. So if you're in the gym and someone's like, oh, well, I just started phosphatidylserine and like, I, or I feel great. You know, another example is people are always like, oh, I tried DIM, which is methane, and I feel great. Take it with a grain of salt because, you know, women are different than men and 30 year olds are different than 50 year olds. And I think we spend so much time thinking about what are other people doing and how are they reaching their goals versus sitting down with a blank piece of paper, five boxes, listing underneath them, am I doing what I need to be doing in each one of these categories? And if the answer is no, adjusting it. And when you need more help, you'll know because one of those boxes is going to be need to be adjusted and you're not going to necessarily know how to do that on your own. I think we're at a place in the world right now where people don't just go to the doctor when they're sick but they go to the doctor because their stomach is bloated and they feel like they're nine months pregnant and they're not. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, you have IBS, stop having milk. And they're like, well, I don't have milk anyway. So why would I, you know, I think that we're at a time where people really just want to feel their best and they're not trained to do this, that meaning the individual, right? They're 
technicians and engineers and physical therapists. And so sometimes we do need to sort of look further into somebody who's able to help us with that. And sometimes we don't, sometimes it's drawing those five boxes and checking them. But the goal is to be in this to feel better. So if what you're doing is making you feel worse, that is the most telling and important thing. You know, adrenal fatigue is real. Cortisol changes are real. Uh, energy metabolism issues are, are pretty significant. There's a huge shift of everybody going keto. And then the flip side of that is I see dynamic changes to the microbiome and severe changes to energy post-keto with insulin resistance. So we have to think about, this isn't just about this moment in this day, but like about yourself as a whole. And that's really, in my opinion, what holistic medicine is. Awesome. I like that overall summary there. So Jamie, if someone wants more information from you, wants to reach out to you, how can they go about doing that? Just come to my website. It's just, um, it's D-R-J-A-I-M-E-N-D, like naturopathic doctor, um, dot com, um, or my name, which is also there. And so if they email me, I still do all of my emails. So I always respond to people um, or Instagram. It's just J-A-I-M-E-S-C-H-E-H-R, either one of those. And then, you know, sometimes I'll just help you find somebody in your area if there is someone or maybe answer some quick questions. But, you know, my parting words for everybody is just to sort of reiterate what I just said, which is like, we're all here to feel better. So if what we're doing isn't working, you know, don't repeat the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know we are on a time crunch and I really appreciate you fitting me in. You are welcome. I'm going to add one more thing that I did forget to say. Um, a big influence on, ca- on adrenals in the CrossFit community is caffeine. So some into that diet box that we're checking, we really want to be mindful about the content of caffeine that we have. Um, and I'm not an anti-coffee person. Don't, don't talk to me in the morning if I haven't had coffee. But <laughs> you know, maybe think about what that looks like for our own body. So those are my parting words for you. Thank you so much for having me. You are quite welcome. I love your knowledge. We may have to get you on here again sometime. Let's do it. Awesome. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. Show notes can be found at highlyfunctional.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you would go on to iTunes and give me a five-star rating and review, as well as share this on social media with all your friends and followers. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.